must have that look. Everybody kind of looked up here all at once and fell silent. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. I got for this place to gather with your saints. We just praise you this morning and we just ask that you would minister your word to us as only you can. God, that you would plant it in our hearts. God, that you would soften us with the oil of your presence. God, that you would break up the fallow ground of our heart. God, and that for our part we would uh, surrender to you. God, the things that you would have us to surrender. God, that we would just lay at your feet everything that uh, that you have uh, that you would uh, ask us for. God, we just pray it and ask it in your righteous name. God, minister to us today as only you can. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Genesis 15. I want to talk about something really nice and familiar today. I told Ron once it's really kind of awkward preaching something that I know probably almost everybody knows already. Because, I don't know, you, you feel like you should be bringing out some grand thing that nobody's heard, and they're all like, whoa. But, you know, it's, teaching is not typically like that. And, uh, you know, of course, then again, it's funny because sometimes you know something that doesn't mean that other people know it or they don't know it as well as you do or 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 they might know it better than you. And they're listening to you thinking, what on earth is he trying to say? But um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but so in. Uh, uh, but here in Genesis 15, uh, I'm going to start in verse one. Um of course, it starts out saying after these things. This is after um, uh, after Abraham's gone to the the slaughter of the kings and and uh, and rescued Lot and met with Melchizedek and all that good stuff. It says after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward." And it's an interesting. Uh, an interesting thing, this this word uh, reward. Uh, I, mean, I suppose reward is a good word for it, but it's it's more like wages or some kind of compensation or or hire even. It's the same word that that Leah used when she uh, hired uh, Jacob and and they had Issachar, and uh, so not quite what you would think of particularly when God says that He's your reward. But uh, um, but it's an uh, it's an interesting you know, insight into the the character of God that that He would come to this man and tell him that I'm your reward. You know, not that I'm going to bless you with stuff, but I am. And uh, you know, every every young man that's uh, looked starry eyed at some pretty girl knows exactly what that's like. So. Um, you know, you're not after the big house or the big job. You're after the pretty girl, right? So, kind of the same idea here, I suppose. <clears throat> but, but he says it's an exceeding great reward because, after all, this would be even better than the prettier girl, the pretty girl. But it's interesting because God says this, and then Abram comes back immediately and says, "Lord God, what are you going to give me, seeing that I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus?" Well, I just told you what I was going to give you. I was going to give you me. But uh, God kind of, as you'll see here, God kind of seems to overlook that 
Because he says, and Abram goes on and says, Behold to me, you have given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And so God's, this isn't a new thing that he's telling Abram here. This, he's reiterating what he's already told him, that he was going to uh, give him uh, children like the stars of the sky and, and uh, that he was giving him the land of Canaan and all that. So there's nothing new to him here, but he, uh, but God is telling him, hey, you know, you've got me, right? And and I, uh, and then Abram says, yeah, but what about all this other stuff? And and we do that. You know, God God tells us he's going that he's gonna bless us with something. He's gonna take care of us. He's gonna give us something, uh, whatever it may be. And we we tend to fixate on that. We got uh, we bought Zoe like a little tiny blow up pool at a garage sale like a month ago, and she's honestly a bit big for a little inflatable pool. <laughs> you know, I think you know uh, once you, when you get where all you can do is just kind of sit in it and you know, like your butt's on one end and your feet are at the other and wee you know I, I I'm not sure what the allure there is. Um, but we have had some seriously uh, histrionic, teary conversations about that pool. Because I keep telling her, it's too cold. It's not warm enough yet. I mean, right now I could probably just blow it up and leave it sitting out there and I wouldn't even have to pay for the water to fill it up with. <laughs> just have to go out and pick out all the leaves and stuff. But, um, you know, I... But it's funny is she's fixated on that pool, and and I've, and you know how hysterical little children can get sometimes, especially little girls. And um, um, but she, yeah, it's like, did I ever tell you no, no, you can't swim in the pool ever? Like, no. Like well, but it's it's cold out. I mean, I know it's it's it feels hot out, but if we fill that thing up and you go sit out there, you're going to freeze. She's like, this is never gonna happen, you know. And and we feel that way, you know. We feel that way when because God doesn't, you know. Like I said, like I'm so fond of saying, you know, God's not a vending machine. You know, all the you know red box and all those things have kind of spoiled us. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but even now I'm like red box. I want to get in my car. Are you kidding? Like I'll I'll pay twice as much to just push a couple buttons and watch the movie, but uh, that's just me. But but no, we we expect things to happen like that, you know. Um, and I think it, it's a very Western mindset to think that it's to think that cause and effect has to happen just you know right one right after the other. So so Abraham or Abram rather is. You know, is clearly wrestling with this this thing about the child because he's he's getting getting on in years and and Sarah is not exactly a spring chicken anymore and and so God has given him this promise and it's not happening and so God tells him that I am your shield and your exceeding great reward and and it's as if Abram's like yeah but what about the thing and the stuff and all that that you told me about. Um, 
And so, you know, I don't know. You know, God said he's not a man. You know, we were reading that in, in Numbers the other night. and right. sure appreciate that scripture. Uh, you know, I don't know. If, if it were me, I'd be kind of like, but, but me? It's like, yeah. It's like, did you did you miss what I just said? It's like I am your seeking great reward, you know. And I mean, I I'm going to pull that line out at home. I'm sure it'll work great. But uh, <laughs> but um, you know, but you know, God takes appears to take no offense at that, and he's like, no, oh. like the so this shall not be your heir, but him that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said to him, So shall I see be. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. So we're all super familiar with that passage. And, and it's a blessing because it, it's like Abram is wrestling with this sense of, Is this going to happen or not? Because it hasn't happened yet. And, and so God... Uh, you know, you know the story. This then uh, Abraham, you know, puts out all the the, the sacrifices and everything, and and uh, and God passes uh, in the midst of the pieces and everything to you know to ratify this this covenant. But but it says that Abraham believed God, and and God counted that to him for righteousness. So over in chapter sixteen, let's start in verse one over here. And Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maiden to thy bosom. And when she saw she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand to do to her as it pleases thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, he fled from her face. And... Uh, I suppose, again, it goes back to that Western mindset, but to me that story is hair-raising. It's like, uh, okay. And, and I like, uh, I like the, the wisdom that Abram shows by uh, kind of taking it back to, well, she's your maid. <laughs> it's like, you just do, do whatever. I'm, I'm, you can just see him like sneaking away like, oh, okay. You know, but it's interesting, uh, in verse 3 it says that they dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan at this point. So, it's been at least 10 years since God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees and they, they came to Canaan and everything. And so, 10 years is a long time for something to not happen. You know, I mean, I, I think back to when I was 29 and I was thinking I'm going to be a billionaire by the time I'm 40. It's not happened. Actually, I didn't think that. I just thought, you know, I don't know. But you, you look back at, like, you look back 10 years in your life, you know, think back to 2009 and think, wow, you know, if, if nothing has really changed significantly in your life, then we should talk about that. But, um, but you know, things, 
you know, think a lot can change in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, you know, and obviously lots of things have changed for Abram and Sarai. They packed up and moved to another place. And, uh, of course, Abram, like, became this, like, warrior chieftain and rescued his, his nephew from the, uh, from all these bad guys and stuff. And, you know, I mean, pretty cool guy. And, and he's wealthy. He's got, like, this steward that keeps track of all of his stuff for him. I, in ten years, all this stuff has happened. And and yet he's... Uh, uh, and, in fact, during this time uh, is also when uh, you know, God split him up from, from Lot. And so that's, that's a lot of stuff to pack into ten years, but this one thing that he's looking for has still not happened yet. And uh, so, so you know, of course, Sarai has this um, dreadful idea. Like, well, let's, maybe God must have meant for us like this, you know. And uh, and it's funny because we do that, you know. Like, well, maybe maybe God meant for it to be like such and such. Maybe He's expecting me to do this and that and the other thing, because uh, after all. You know, God helps those that help themselves, or not. You know, but but we think that way, right. and so we feel like we should do something, and uh, um, so, um, you know, of course, uh, of course, you know the story. Um, Sarai runs uh, Hagar off, and she comes. You know, God rescues her, and she comes back, and uh, and has and has Ishmael, and. Uh, and at the end of chapter 16, it tells you Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So, 86 years old. Yeah, it's like I was 28 when we had when we had a kid, and I think, wow, 86. You would not have a whole lot of juice left. It would feel it seemed like at 86. You know, like it's like I mean, you know, chasing kids around. We were watching videos the other night, like. We're looking, looking on Dropbox at all these old videos of the kids when they were teeny tiny, and you know, Zoe went through like this nudist phase where she like danced around the house naked, singing "Let It Go," and and, and you know it's like, <laughs> you know, and like I don't know all the stuff that they did, like watching Jeremy do all these crazy little dances. Like they used to always, like at the end of a movie, they would always get up and like boogie to the credit music and stuff or whatever was playing, and. It's like, you know, I didn't have the energy for it then, you know, and now Abram's, you know, 86 and he's got this little guy, you know, and little boys, like, I mean, I met this lady this week, she had two little boys, they just, oh, hurt my heart, they were so cute, and um, and she was like, you know, she looked at my face, I haven't slept in five years, you know, <laughs> and and uh, I was like, and I told her, I was like, well, I, 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 you know, I have two boys. It's like having five. You know, <laughs> it's like you have to, you know, keep track of them and chase them down. And uh, so, so he's 86. And he has these kids. In, in chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, so 13 years have gone by now, with the, nothing apparently of any sort of note to uh, worth mentioning. Uh, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So so he's going to reiterate this covenant that he made with him 
like 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was, and uh, which actually is 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 also is already a reiteration of what he told him 10 years before that when he called him out of of, of Ur. So it's been like a quarter of a century or more, and he's and he's now it's probably been over 30 years now, and he's. Uh, he he brings up this covenant again, and, he, and he's and he's going to reiterate this thing. But you know, last time you know he he said, "I am your shield and your exceeding great reward." And this time he says, "I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect." So, you know, in in both cases, the the real uh, uh, the real big deal is is God. He starts out both these things, you know, saying about you know who God is to him. Um, and uh, um, and you know, of course, we're all familiar with the scripture. You know that that God has this this expectation of of perfection, but he he prefaces it with with his power, and he says, "And I will make my covenant between you and me, and will multiply you exceedingly." And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, "As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee." And you will be a father of many nations. Neither shall you be any more called Abram, or exalted father, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make you exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. And I will establish my covenant between you and me, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God to thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I'll give to thee, and thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting excuse me, possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed in their generations. So, you know, it's, it's funny because God will he'll, he'll give you a promise or tell you something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time will go by just like it has for Abram here. And now... You know, God. It seems like God will, you know, He'll He'll encourage you and remind you throughout this process, uh, and then eventually, like He will start talking to you about it, and you get this idea, like, okay, so this is actually getting ready to happen this time, because there's a lot. You, know, you knew it was going to happen the first time He told you, because God is who He is, but there's there's this sense of this is getting ready to happen imminently. That that is a, is a precious thing, and uh, and I can just you can almost you know feel Abram's excitement here. Um, and he says, "This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised." And I'm sure that his enthusiasm began to wane at this point. And, uh, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. He that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every child in your generations. He that is born in your house or bought with money of a stranger, which is not of thy seed. And he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So... um, you know, before it's like God was just talking about this is going to happen, and uh, and and so Abram is was was good with that. He believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And now God is giving him something a little bit more actionable because this is getting ready to happen, like now, and um, and so he 
uh, you know, as, as you read through the, the you know, story of, of Abraham, uh, I love it. Ron did the sermon on uh, uh, Abraham like way back in the 80s. Um, and, uh, and I remember him saying, it's like, you know, we always pray, God, I wish I was like Abraham. And he's like, you are so remarkably like Abraham. <laughs> it's like I told him, I told him to leave his family behind and he didn't. I told him to <laughs> go do this and he didn't. <sighs> you know, and uh, so... Um, and so he has this this sign about this covenant because because uh, uh, Abram and Sarai had come to this conclusion that in order to make the promise of God happen, they were going to have to do something about it in the flesh. And uh, so so as God begins to uh, you know and and and, and it, I find it amusing that um, at least in the the way that this story. Uh, is told chronologically. Obviously, there's a big space here because Ishmael is a teenager now. But um, uh, it's always like right about the time that God is getting ready to really do something that we kind of panic and feel like we better do something now. And 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 so he, uh, you know, so so now God is uh, he doesn't tell you anything that happens in that intervening time. but uh, uh, so he he begins talking about this this covenant again, and he starts talking about circumcision. He's like we're going to cut off the flesh. We're going to get rid of this whole flesh thing, uh, getting stuff done. Um, and uh, I um, I was just curious, you know, I, I did a little bit of research about this because um, you know God didn't really give him any kind of specific instructions about this. I'm like so so he knew what that meant then or what and and it was actually a really common practice in the ancient world uh for a variety of reasons uh so it's not like it was some unheard of thing that God was asking him to do but um the uh uh the interesting thing is that that I found was that um of course it starts here and um the uh, the Jews then begin to add to this circumcision ritual um more and more uh, to it until it became, uh, you know, more. And that's exactly what religion does. It's like, well, you always have to pay a higher price. You always have to do something more. There's always another thing for you to attain to, uh, which I found quite interesting. But so, so God says, okay, well, we're going to get rid of the whole flesh thing here. And uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Da, da, and God, in verse 15, God said to Abram, uh, As for Sarai, thy wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai. God is my prince. But Sarah, her name shall be, which means princess. And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, and I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. And the king shall be, of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? I remember Cynthia turning 30 when she was pregnant with Zoe. And and how, I don't know, if if, you've ever, if any of you in this place have turned 30, I know some of you might have, there's something about your, your, uh, your vigor and your vitality that just kind of starts slowing down. And... Um, 
know, I remember like, you know, being in my twenties and you know, had all this energy and it's like, ah, I can take on the world and gave Kevin my best years and then <laughs> uh, and then once I was a spent old man, then Mike and I started this business and But anyway, no. um, but uh, I don't know. So, I mean, as, as rough as it the idea of, I mean, being 100 years old and having a teenager, I can only imagine, um, uh, you know, to think of this 90-year-old woman getting ready to have a baby. Like, that sounds awkward. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I can just imagine. You know, and it's funny because sometimes, you know, God will tell you something that He's going to do in your life, some promise that He's going to bring to pass, and you're so excited because it's really what you want. But you don't often think about the journey between here and there. It's like, well, I was kind of hoping for just the, you know, the fairy dust and like, ah, you know, and uh, I always wanted a desk job where I could like wear nice clothes and not come home all sweaty and disgusting at the end of the day. And I never really, I had no idea how you would get from point A to point B. And it was really hard for me. Some people would probably have just been like, ah, yes, this is what I was born to do. And for me, it was, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And <laughs> I had some conversations with Mike where he kind of had to talk me off the ledge a bit. You know, it's like, I just like, can't do this, man. <laughs> So, you know, but but having come through that place, I wouldn't want to go back. It's like the idea of, of, you know, wearing the old painter whites and going out and climbing ladders is really pretty distasteful now. I mean, maybe once in a while just for the heck of it, but if I have to, oh, oh. So, you know, so God knows how to take you through tough stuff in your life that really, you know, you wouldn't take it back. But... Uh, I, it's it's funny that, you know, because Abraham has been waiting so long on God for this promise, and and he's already tried to make it happen in the flesh, and that didn't turn out right. And it's and it's funny because this is the same guy that God said that that uh, Abraham believed God and it was kind of doing for righteousness, and now he's laughing at the idea that that could possibly happen, and that happens to us. Like, well, it's been like you know. Like 13 years ago, since we last talked about this, I surely, surely the deal's off, you know. And you know, and you know, God's like, "Are you kidding?" You know, and you know. But what I what I find awesome is when you read in Hebrews 11, it doesn't tell you anything about Sarah laughing at God's promise. It doesn't tell you anything about Abraham laughing at God's promise. And uh, you know, and of course they did. I love that story because you know God's like, ask Sarah. It's like, why did you laugh? She's like, I didn't laugh. Yeah. It's like, oh, but you did. It's like, that's the bad thing. Sometimes when you find things funny, you kind of have to tamp it down because sometimes you don't want people to know you think something is funny. And uh, especially like you know an upset child. What one of my children was complaining about something the other day it had to do with a pair of pants and and uh, the appearance of their hind end in it and and it was the 
funniest thing. I mean, I mean, they were distraught in tears and just like so worked up, all red and just, you know, and, and, and Cindy and I are sitting on the couch like trying not to laugh. You know, because of course they could see the merriments dancing in her eyes. It's like, so funny. And I was like, well, yeah, it is. You should be sitting on this end of the conversation. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. So sometimes you don't want people to know that you're laughing. But, uh, anyway, so Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that's 90 years old, bear? And it's funny that he says this in his heart. You would think that he knows, that God knows what he's thinking already. Um, And so I love it, because that's what he's thinking. And then what he says is, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. It's like, I already have a son. It's like, you know, let's just you know take all that stuff that you said you were going to do, you know, and you know, transfer it from imaginary child to actual child, and, you know, we'll get down down the road. <laughs> I've got this all worked out. You know, which, which we always do that, don't we? It's like we tell God, hey, this, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, you know, I've got like my little petition. It's like got, you know, bullet points, and it's like an outline for a research paper. It's like, here's why this is going to work for you, you know, and, and, uh, and God like, hmm, okay, that's nice. Yeah, no. It's like, well, that's an idea. And I will take it into consideration. And then he does something that you would have never thought of, which is awesome. But um, So I love it. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and his, with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac and with Sarah, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this time, set time next year. So, So he... You know, he he's like, well, yeah, okay, so Ishmael's your son, I get it, you know, but that's uh, and, and yep, I'm gonna bless him, uh, but uh, my covenant, I'm going to establish with Isaac, the one that that I chose, the one that that I'm going to make happen that you could never make happen. Um, so uh, go with me over to Galatians four. You knew I was headed over there. As I said, this is a, I mean, a really familiar story, concept, message, whatever you want to call it, um, you know. And uh, but we we go through places in life just like Abraham did, where it's like you know, and maybe maybe it's not waiting on a promise from God for something that He said He's going to give you. Maybe it's just, man, God, I I I feel like I am trying to chase after you the best I can and it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> and and um, which, you know, you should go read the story of Isaac. It's really short. Nothing really happens there. You know, and we go through that those kinds of places in our life, you know. Uh, you know uh, 
you know, go back and find that that little series that that Ron did about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's awesome. But uh, you know, that Isaac. Sometimes we come to that Isaac place, you know, and and it's, you know, you 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 feel like Mulan trying to spit, you know, and <laughs> everybody who's seen the movie is chuckling, of course. Yeah. You know. If you've never seen it, she's this little Chinese girl tr- pretending to be a man, and she tries to like spit this massive loogie, and it just becomes like this spit yo-yo that she can't get rid of when she's because she's trying to prove her manliness. You know, so it's awesome. But um, so you know, we we go through things in life where all of our efforts seem about, about like that, and um, so you know we you know. Obviously, we can make up our mind that we're going to serve God no matter what, that we're going to follow after Him, that we're going to um, you know, set aside time to, to seek His face. But at the at the end of the day, we, we really have to rely on God to do what God does to, to get us successfully at the end of the road. Uh, so here in Galatians 4, uh, it's kind of Paul's commentary on, on what we just read. It says, Tell me you that desire to be under the law, 421. Uh, do you not hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondmaid and the other by the free woman. But he who was of the bond woman was born of the flesh. But he that was born of the free woman was by promise. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's pretty, seems pretty obvious, I suppose. But the way he puts it is interesting because, I mean, uh, the in Genesis it just calls Hagar Sarah's, Sarah's maid. You know, which is you know, it's all well and good, you know. But you know, in order for uh, Sarai to just give her to Abraham, and and to somehow assume that that any children that she has would would be accounted to her, she would have to own this woman, and so she was a slave, a bondwoman, and so. Uh, it really kind of completes that picture of of this of Abraham having this child with Hagar and uh, and it and it just gendering to bondage, which is we're getting ready to read that. He that was of the bond woman was born of the flesh. He that of the free woman was by, was by promise, which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants: the one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So, you know, so not not the Muslims. This is this is the Jews, and you know, God said He was going to bless them and, and make nations out of them and stuff. And you know, and obviously, you know, the, the 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 Pharisees and stuff. When you read in the Gospels, they they've traced their lineage down from Abraham, um, and. Uh, but they, but they're in this place of bondage, you know. And I'm sure they trace their lineage probably even back through Isaac. But there's this, this bondage because of this, um, uh, this, this seed that came through this bond woman, through this, this, um, you know, bondage to the law. And and as you read through, uh, you know, through uh, Paul's letters, you know, there's this sense of of the law being um, just like that. It's it's like, you know, because if you're gonna if you're gonna have your righteousness be after the law, you're gonna have to do all of it, and, and if you you fail at any point, you fail the whole thing, yeah. and uh, uh, so it's uh, it's an interesting 
thought because because uh, um, he says Jerusalem, which is above, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Uh, and then he he ties it in uh, here to this this passage from Isaiah, and he says, "For it's written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate has many more children than she which has a husband." And uh, uh, so, you know, of course, uh, it, it's hard to miss the fact that, that God gave Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all three of them had women that couldn't have children, and which especially in those days was like, you know, death sentence. You know, it's like you were, you were less than useless if you couldn't have children. And... Um, uh, you know, so the and of course these men had, you know, had children with other women and things like that, and, and God, you know, built this kingdom from uh, Jacob's children. But um, uh, but God had had one of these one of these women for each of them that was the, where the promise was going to come from, and and no amount of of effort could possibly produce a child uh, with uh, nothing but the the power of God could do that. And so we go through those same sort of places in our life where no amount of of fleshly effort could possibly get us where we're going to go. You know, I mean, you could you could crawl up on the cross next to Jesus and you could nail through your feet and you could even nail one of your hands, but you're going to have to have somebody they can finish it off for you, and so, um, uh, so it's a, it's a precious thing that God does for us. He says, for uh, in verse twenty-eight, he says, "Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born of the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit. Even so it is now. Did you all remember the story when uh, Ishmael uh, mocking little baby Isaac? And I mean, who picks on a baby? You know." What a jerk! But uh, uh, and of course, you know, Sarah's like, "That's it. He's out of here. Get him out of here." You know, and uh, and they and Abraham, you know, wisely, just like he did before when when Hagar was pregnant with the little guy, is like, "Hey, all right, yeah, okay, you know, hands off," and so sends them away. You know, and obviously that would not be an easy thing because after 13 years, you'd get rather attached to to little Ishmael, even. Even if he was kind of a, uh, maybe not the nicest kid sometimes. But aren't they all? <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? So. Um, but anyway, uh, so, and so he says that he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. And of course, as you read through Galatians, he's, you know, Paul is talking about these these Jews that would like come in and they would follow him and, and come in and try and tear up everything that he had just done uh, everywhere he went. Um, but there's also you see this this conflict between the flesh and the spirit uh, in each one of us because uh, you know your flesh is just going to want to do what your flesh wants to do, and and that's why he said to reckon it dead. He says, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. 
For the son of the bondwoman will not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So, uh, so you know, whatever it might be in your life, you know, some promise of God that you're waiting on, just, just wanting to be closer to Him and, and just be what He wants you to be. Uh, you know, God has the answer for it, and, and God is, is the answer for it. And that's why He started out telling Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And then he tells him that I'm the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So he, you know, he, he always points everything back to him getting the stuff done. And and every time uh, these guys would uh, come up with something else to try and make things work, it didn't work so well. You know, and you know, Ishmael being a, a great example. Um, and then. Uh, and then later on, when uh, the sons of Jacob sell Joseph to to the slave traders, right. one, one place calls them the Midianites, another place calls them the Ishmaelites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, sweet. Well, I wish those guys didn't exist now. <laughs> so, um, yep. So God's a wise God, and He knows how to He knows how to uh, He knows how to work with us through our mistakes, and He knows how to um, uh, to get us where He wants us to be and to bring the promises that He's given us to pass uh, in spite of our very best efforts to the contrary. And, um, you know, and, and He just he knows how to stretch your faith and get you, get you where you need to be. So, Jesus, we thank You for Your Word to us. God, we just thank You for Your faithfulness, God. Uh, God, what a blessing how you, you, that You would remind Abram that that you were his exceeding great reward God and and I just pray that today you would turn our eyes to you just like that God that we would see you as our exceeding great reward God you told the Levites that you weren't going to give them a portion of of the the nation to themselves because you were their reward you were their inheritance God and uh, I just pray that you would turn our hearts and our eyes to see you like that, to, to value the relationship that way, God, and that we would just uh, follow after you, God, and that we'd trust you, and that no one's faith in this place would fail, God, but that you would bring to pass all that you're doing in us, God, uh, God you gave the church wings, God, and no amount of, of, of earthbound effort could ever make us fly, but you could make us fly, God, and that's what we're asking for today. God, do in this place today what only you could. Let your spirit and your presence minister as only it can. God, I just pray that uh, you would meet the needs of every heart in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.